Hello, welcome to Creative Catch-Up, a podcast where myself, Natasha Newton, artist and illustrator, and me, Mel Chadwick, illustrator and designer, will be chatting about running a creative business. Each episode, we'll be diving into a different topic that has come up in our own creative practice. We'll be sharing our experiences, both the ups and downs, struggles and successes, and hopefully give some advice that you'll also find useful. So join us for season two, episode 10, as we answer all your questions. Hi, Natasha. Hi, Mel. It is the final episode of our season two today. I feel like we should have a fanfare. I'm going to try and find a fanfare now and I'll put that in here. Excellent. I can't believe we've we've done another season already. So yeah, it whizzes by, doesn't it? It does. I think it's good though because it's kept us occupied and out of mischief in these uh, lockdown times. Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Today we are going to be answering all your questions. Now, Natasha and I have just discussed that. There are lots of questions we've been given and we're really grateful for all of them. But we are thinking that we're going to put a timer on each one. So we are going to try and keep our answers to each question for under a minute. I don't know if that's possible, but we will try. (laughs) (laughs) We'll give it a go. Yes. And we've also said if we find a topic is particularly getting us talking, then we think it would be a great idea to actually then put that as a episode in our next season because we are a bit limited with the time today with so many questions and we want to answer as many as we possibly can are we ready then we're ready (laughs) shall i read the first (laughs) question (laughs) okay this is from blue spiral creations and they say i've been wanting to start an online print shop do i need an inventory to begin or just a few pieces what do you think mel I think just do it with a few pieces. Just get those out there. Then you can start testing the waters, see what the response is like. And then you can gradually add more to your inventory. So don't let it stop you just because you haven't got a lot. Um, I would just go for it and uh, put them out there. Yeah, I think it's good to start small because you don't want to be sinking a lot of money at the beginning into lots of inventory. Just... Um, test the water see which ones are the most popular what's selling the best and then go from there okay I'll read the next one from Heidi Horchler would love to hear both of your experiences and tips on getting representation good and bad okay so does she mean gallery representation I'm assuming oh I don't know is it gallery or is it agent I don't know. It could be either, couldn't it? Yeah. Well, what have you got? You Shall I talk very quickly about gallery representation? Yes, go for that. Okay, I'm going to try and condense this. When I started out, I approached galleries myself. And um, if they liked my work, you can basically email them with some examples of your work and make sure the gallery is a good fit for the type of work you do. And um, if they like your work, they'll get back to you. You know, this is a good kind of easy way of easing yourself in. I've had good and bad experiences with galleries. Some of the bad experiences were work being returned to me damaged 
and them kind of displaying the work in a way that I wouldn't choose or waiting for payment for forever sometimes, uh, different things like that. But it's also very good because obviously if you have your work in a gallery, it builds your reputation and more people get to see your work. So that's my quick answer. (laughs) I hope that's helpful. I mean, I think it's very similar for actually getting an agent and that is you send out emails or actually, first of all, have a look at what agents are around you. Are they a good fit for your work? Very similar to gallery representation. Have a look at what they do. What do they specialise in? Is it greetings cards? Is it the gift market or is it editorial? And then send out your work, send out a link to your website. Keep your email short. A lot of representation or a lot of agencies will be receiving lots of emails. So you want to keep it short and to the point. Um, and I would just say go for it. Get your work out there if you want to get representation. Yeah, that's a great answer. I was just going to say, if you do want to have maybe an episode on agency work, maybe that would be something we could talk about. Yeah, that might be one for next series. Yeah. Anyway, on to the next question. Question number three comes from Carly Amanda Art. And she says, if you could professionally create another style of art, what would it be and what medium? I love this question. Do you have an answer for it? Because I was like, what would I do? I know the possibilities seem endless. Do you know what I think I would do is I would paint more loosely and in oils. Oh, wow. Really? I thought I did think about this and I was like, what would I really like to do? I was going to do something, you know, what do I admire when other people do it? And it's like this really quite expressive landscape painting in oils. So that would be my answer. That's a good answer. What's yours, Mel? I think if in another world, another time, another space, um, maybe some ceramic work. Oh, yeah. I mean, I suffer from eczema and kind of skin stuff. So do so... I. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know oh, that. Yes, I do. How weird. <laughs> <laughs> so I've tended to stay away from kind of doing really wet-based stuff, you know, with my hands. So... I'm sure, though, people say, oh, it'll be good for your hands and that. But anyway, I'm. that's probably one of the things why I haven't really... I mean, I did a little bit, but maybe I think that would be quite an interesting field to go into. Yeah. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. That could be my answer, too. <laughs> I'll add that on. <laughs> OK, shall I read the next question yeah. out? Cat Morton Design asks, what is your favourite illustration of yours and why? Oh, my goodness, what a difficult question. I mean, it's like trying to choose your favourite children. Well, this is, this is how I feel. <laughs> I feel if I say one of them, the others are going to be all upset and offended. I actually don't think I can answer this. I don't think I actually have a favourite. It's like when people ask you, what's your favourite song or what's your favourite film? I hate those kind of questions because I find it really impossible to choose one favourite. I mean, was there something that you did that maybe was a turning point with your style or something you achieved through one of your paintings that you hadn't done before? I suppose you could say the new pieces, the mixed media pieces on paper with the pencil and when I'm mixing the pencil and paint. um, I'm really proud of those because that's something quite different for me. But I wouldn't say, I mean, oh my goodness, this is difficult. I guess you wouldn't say it trumps the work you've done before, but... No, no, I wouldn't. But And I often think that your favourite pieces tend to be sometimes the most recent ones you've done. Probably because you could remember them. <laughs> <laughs> um, and because um, 
you everything feels sort of fresh and new and yeah 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 I I I think similarly I mean I can't it's very hard for me to choose one but when I was able to start combining textures in Illustrator which is actually what I share on my Domestica course that was a turning point because it kind of shifted my illustration in another way and I really found I I could create more of what I could see in my head so I think I really enjoyed yeah that's one thing an illustration or a group of illustrations that I really loved producing okay number five um is from let me see if I can pronounce this <laughs> soon me kim kim <laughs> she says how do you protect your signature design from stealing I think it's one of those things where if you are showing your work and it becomes known you're always at risk of someone stealing it and that's just one of the downsides but also posting publicly on social media for example um, obviously everything is date stamped. I remember actually someone telling me that you should like always put something in a sealed envelope or something with the date on it and that's how you can say that you've got the proof that you did it then. But isn't it handy posting things online because you can kind of prove, you know, I was I was doing this on this date. That is actually a good point because you've got a record of it. And when you put it online, it's date stamped, isn't it? So I'll probably need to look it, into it more. But yeah, that's more in depth, really, isn't it? Yeah. Right. Next question from Callie Conway Prince. Do you think it's a good idea to have an agent or should artists do it themselves? Um, I think it all depends on what you want from your career. <laughs> so I think that a lot of the time people can do it themselves. I don't think they have to have an agent. Um, I think agents can be handy if you are a little bit uncertain over the legalities and technicalities of contracts and things like that. Um, and obviously they have a wider reach often so they can find work for you that you wouldn't otherwise have been able to get. But obviously there's a downside to having an agent. Um, often everything has to go through them or a certain amount of your work has to go through them and they will take quite a hefty commission as well. So um, if you do it yourself, obviously you're not having to pay a commission to somebody else. So it just, I think it depends it depends on your social media following as well. If you already have a big following and you're quite established, you probably don't need an agent, really. Yeah, I think it all depends, doesn't it? And I think you learn a lot more if you do it yourself. I think you learn so much more about handling yourself and contracts. Yeah, there are pros and cons to everything, and this is no different. Mm. Okay, number seven is from Sarah Byfield. She says, how do you cope with people being horrible online? Have you had much experience with this, Mel? This will be interesting because I don't think we've ever spoken about this. If I have, I've forgotten about it. So <laughs> I, I think if something happens, I, I like will try and not respond straight away. I kind of give myself some distance. But to be honest, I don't think I've had any really horrible experiences but like I say I tend to forget about things and move yeah. on <laughs> um you know if someone like will critique what I'm doing I first of all I think well are they right and if they are then I'll just ex I will 
you know, kind of just go, yeah, yeah, you're right. And if they're not, then I'm just like, okay, well, that's their opinion. And, um, as you know, I'm, I'm not going to get into a debate with them about it on a, and something that they might've just, yeah, made their mind up on. Yeah. I ha- I approach it in two different ways. One is I kill them with kindness. <laughs> the other way is I use the block button. <laughs> so if there's somebody who's quite obviously a complete troll and is just it's just saying something nasty for the sake of saying something nasty and I have dealt with this. I'm lucky because I don't think I deal with it as much as some people. Um but as I notice as my audience has grown, I've you know a few of the trolls have come along and I basically, I will just, if I see a nasty comment, I will delete the comment and block the person so that they can't comment again. Um, is that, as you say, there's no point in getting into a debate or a back and forth. They, they want what they want. If they're a real troll is a reaction from you. So don't give them that reaction. Um, and the uh, <laughs> this is something that happened the other day is um, I had somebody after my shop update, I wrote about this publicly, so I'm going to speak about it publicly. Um, she was really unreasonable. She sent me quite a nasty email um, and because she couldn't she couldn't buy something in my shop update because somebody else got there first and um, she was very angry. It was very aggressive. And she accused me of basically kind of underhand selling tactics when everything is actually above board. And I try to make it as fair as possible. So what I did with her, because I've had problems with this woman before, every single time I answer in a very professional, very matter of fact, kind way. She never responds to me. She only ever writes to shout at me. So I I responded to her in a kind way and then I blocked her from my mailing list <laughs> because I just can't be dealing with it anymore. So there we go. That's how I deal with it. You know, you can't control what people say to you, but you can control how you respond to them um, because you don't want people to hold other things over you. As much as you may feel that you want to argue back, I don't think it's ever a good idea. I think it just wears you down as well. Yeah, you have to just let it go. Right. Question number eight. Claire Wilcox asks, if money didn't matter and you didn't have to sell your work or take commissions, what would you like to be painting, creating? Would it be the same as what you create to sell for clients? Ooh, this, this is a really interesting question. What would you do then? Would you be painting your paintings? Do you know, I pretty much would because I'm at the stage now where I've managed to say no to client work and um, just concentrate after years and years and years of of not doing this. And I'm just concentrating now on doing the work I love. But I wonder whether if if I wasn't so worried about making money, whether I'd be a little bit more experimental, for example, like I said to you earlier with the oil painting and, you know, doing something that's really quite different for me, something maybe a bit more expressive or or loose. Mm, that's possibly what I'd do. I think I would just do a lot of uh, sketchbook stuff, more exploration in my sketchbook. And I'm, I'm really enjoying just painting some boats at the moment. So they're, they're like they're like my little breathers in between client work. So so I kind of have it on the side, and it's like okay, I'll just do client work now, a couple of hours, and then I quickly will have a little scribble, 
hand and then it gives me a little bit of space. <laughs> so I think I probably would be doing more analog stuff. Um, I was going to say, you mentioned sketchbook work. I think actually that's something I would do. I would spend more time in my sketchbooks because I'm finding it hard at the moment to find the time to work in my sketchbooks and I really miss it. So yeah, I would do that as well. On to our next question then. Okay, the next one is from Helen P Design. She says, I've always sold designs but never licensed. How do I know what to charge? I think you're the better person to answer this question. <laughs> First of all, um, get glued up on on pricing. And the way you can do that is if you're in the UK, then I would say sign up to the Association of Illustrators. They have so many resources on price uh, points you should be asking for in different types of work and especially in licensing work. There's also other books like the Illustrator's Guide to Law and Business that actually has some good price points in that. Yeah, try and find out from other artists what what prices they ask for their work. And I know that might be a little bit tricky to find out, but um, I find that some people are quite open to just sharing how much they would charge. I know I'm part of a Facebook group where it's called Advice for Artists and people do ask, like, how much should we charge for this? And then people will give that information. So it's always good to actually ask other people who are working in that area and they can maybe give you some advice on it or tell you where to find that advice. Yeah, that's that's good advice. <laughs> Okay, so the next one is from Kazia M. Kostika. Kostika. How, to, how do you deal with the anxiety of sharing your art? Did you have anxiety when sharing your art, Mel? Yeah, definitely. And especially in the earlier days. I remember when I started my YouTube channel, that was like, I felt a lot of kind of butterflies, you know, um, just uploading the first few videos and just knowing that you're going to be on display. I think that was really hard. It's difficult, isn't it? Yeah. To be honest, when I did it, we probably only had five people looking at it. So <laughs> in reality, a lot of people maybe aren't noticing as much as you think. I think sometimes you just have to go for it and yeah, don't worry about it. The people who are going to like your work will like your work. Yeah. And I think probably it helps knowing that everybody I think pretty much feels the same about this. We all feel some anxiety when we share our art, especially if we do something new that we haven't done before and sharing it for the first time is really nerve wracking. And that doesn't really go away even when you're established because you know that your followers like a certain style of work. They're following you because they like this. And so if you change, it's like um, you worry that they're not going to like it perhaps. So it's it's always a little bit um, anxiety inducing, but hopefully your desire will, uh, to share your work and to make a career will overcome the anxiety you feel. OK, can one become an illustrator without an art degree? Oh, that was the second part of her question, wasn't it? Yeah, she gave two questions. Yeah. And that was the second one. Well, um, I don't have an art degree and I've made a career from it. So I would say <laughs> there's your answer. <laughs> and, and I know many artists who actually don't have an art degree. Either they didn't um, go to university or art college or they studied something completely different and they're now an artist. So, no, you don't need a degree. 
Okay, Christine Ansel. Please, can you give advice on how to take a good photo of artwork? I find it very tricky, especially with white in a painting, which comes out as grey. Well, I can tell you what I do, which is I always photograph artwork by natural light. So you need a day, preferably, um, where it's kind of overcast but still bright because you don't want bright sun sunlight shining on the painting. And then I find editing is really good. So you crop it, sharpen up the image, um, you can alter the balance. And um, I know this problem with white in a painting. The recent pieces I did where I used the white of the paper as the sky, um, I had real problems with those when I photographed them. It, it looked almost grey on the screen. And so basically I was trying to brighten it as much as possible in the editing process and I'm just using photos. Is it called photos on my laptop? Oh, right. You don't use Photoshop. No, I don't use Photoshop, although Dominic has Photoshop and he's trying to um, make the background white for me. <laughs> so this is a tricky thing. Do you have any advice for this? Well, I would just say, yeah, if you're using Photoshop to edit, there's some really great tools in there which will help. So like if you go to the levels and then you've got curves, curves really help um, just adjusting those. But yeah, other than what you said already, using natural light, natural light is your friend. It's probably the best light that you can um, photograph in and definitely you know don't do it in bright sunlight you want to have a, a soft light so that uh, your painting or artwork will come out really well okay so the next question is from Arlene illustrations and she asks how do you choose a color palette for an illustration or painting oh this is something we uh, talked about well I would say what is the subject of your painting or illustration um, can you choose a colour palette from the subject that you've got and can you simplify it? So, yeah, we did talk about it, didn't we? We said, like, you can go outside, you can take a picture and then from that photo you could, like, just choose certain colours and make a colour palette for your illustration. Use the environment to help you choose a colour palette and the subject matter yeah, and sometimes it's just down to um, your own personal preferences. And if you see a particular colour combination, no matter where that is, because um, inspiration can strike wherever, then, you know, make a note of it and incorporate that into your paintings. This is what I tend to do. I mean, it doesn't have to be completely realistic. You can make your own colour palette for whatever you want to paint. And I prefer, for example, to work with a limited colour palette in um, an individual painting so uh, yeah I think that could be that could be quite a, a good um, exercise to to sometimes restrict yourself to maybe five colors or something yeah that that is very good actually advice to do and I especially do that when I'm creating you know complex art pieces that if I chose all the colors it would just not read very well so like with map making I just basically simplify the colour palette down and then maybe have shades of the same colour so that it is cohesive but it's not overwhelming and you can still read it as a map because you want a map to actually uh, be read clearly so that's why you have to keep the colour palette very simple. Heidi 
Horchler, again, part two. These are very quick fires. So, okay, what's your favourite thing to make for dinner? I think my favourite thing to make for dinner, well, one of them would definitely be pasta and it would be pasta with loads of fresh vegetables, loads of garlic um, and some lovely smoked cheese on top. Oh, wow. Okay, my favourite would have to be something like salmon grilled with crispy potatoes um, and a nice fresh salad, cherry tomatoes and radishes. And Oh, my mouth's watering. <laughs> I love different types of green leaves. You know, the ones that have lots of different flavours like rocket and spinach and watercress and chives and all of that. So Yeah, that sounds lovely. Okay, what non-arty things do you love to do? <laughs> I love going outside. I love walking. I also play the guitar um, and I like, yeah, just singing and reading. I also like reading. What about you, Natasha? Um, well, pretty much the same, apart from the guitar. <laughs> um, I love reading. I love walking in nature. Oh, I love visiting old buildings when we're not in lockdown and times are normal. I love going to, I'm a member of the National Trust, so... Yeah, I am too. I love visiting old buildings and walking around the beautiful gardens. I'm really quite interested in the history of places. So I find that enjoyable. Um, I was going to say I love going to art galleries, but I guess that's an arty thing. <laughs> I, I really like <laughs> I really like um, visiting country pubs and having a nice meal in a country pub. Oh, yeah, that's a nice yeah, one. Yeah. yeah, so I'd say that's what I like to do. And, and watching a good film. Oh, yes, yes, definitely. What's your favourite pet? We've always had cats in my family, so I absolutely love cats. I really miss having them around me. Dominic's allergic to cats, so... I am too. I can't have them here. Oh, dear. Uh, yeah, but I really want to get a little dog. Yeah, Dominic has a couple of dogs. Well, his family have a couple of dogs, but I would love to get my own little dog eventually, and I would quite like to have either a Westie a Cavapoo or a Norfolk Terrier. Wow, that's very specific. Yeah. <laughs> you know your dogs. I'm afraid I'm allergic to everything that has fur and skin and isn't human, so... <laughs> Are you really? <laughs> yeah, so I'm afraid I'm, I'm not really a, a pet. Well, I'm not a pet owner, so... Okay, final question. Thick, quick fire, anyway. What place in the world would you love to visit? I think I'd quite like to visit Italy. Oh, yes. Um, partly for the scenery and partly for the food. How about you? I think I would like to visit Iceland. That would be cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, to like see the landscape there. I also would like to visit somewhere in America or even South America. I don't know. I, I like to explore new places. So anywhere different is, is good for me. And we have a question from Sol. When did you realise, yes, it's possible to live off this? And what do you think helped you get there? So I think Sol is just talking about our art business. So um, I guess when I started getting paid and, <laughs> and uh, realised actually it wasn't just, you know, a couple of pounds and I started getting paid, you know, enough to actually uh, pay my rent, enough to pay the bills and then you then you gradually think, well, yeah, there is demand here for it. And I just have to find uh, those opportunities. And I think it's probably actually hearing other people 
success in that area and seeing other people actually making a living from it and knowing that it's possible. So that encouraged me to kind of keep going. Totally, yeah, sort of being inspired by them and um, seeing what they'd achieved. Yeah, I would say that's the same for me. Um, I think when I realised it was possible to live off this, well, I had uh, a part-time job on the side when I first started out and um, I noticed I was gradually getting more and more artwork um, opportunities and I was selling more and more and I just was finding it hard to do the two days of work that I was doing at that point. And I cut down to one day and then it was like, can I actually, I think, you know, I'm at the stage where I could make this work and I could take the leap. And so, yeah, it was just, for me, it was a gradual build up of selling more work and getting more jobs and more opportunities coming my way and kind of thinking, I actually feel like this is taking over now and I need to devote all of my time to it. So, yeah. Yeah. And Sol has a second question. She says, also, Mel, how does it feel to launch a Domestica course and reach out to so many people in Spanish speaking countries? Way! <laughs> it's uh, muy bien. Does that mean very good? Yeah, very good. So it's actually really nice to actually connect with a whole new demographic of people um, who I wouldn't really have kind of been introduced to or yeah so it's exciting it's exciting and really nice in a way that the world is is your oyster in a way yeah so I've been feel very grateful I think just to be able to connect with more people who yeah. I wouldn't have been able to yeah I'm excited and yeah the domestica course is gone live today as of us recording so how can people find it you can find it through my instagram profile or you can i've actually put it on my website as well so there's a link there that will take you through to the domestica course and we could also put a link in the description of the video that's probably even better yes we'll put a link <laughs> okay so marika Villeneuve says do you both ever deal with client problems? How do you usually go about those? Seeing as artists don't exactly have a customer service person to deal with client issues. <laughs> I think that's totally right. We don't, which means that we are the customer service person. <laughs> and um, I, I know that definitely in my client work, I have to put on a professional face and I have to yeah deal with with inquiries and messages and you know when the editing starts you have to deal with feedback both negative and positive and I always find that it's always best to be positive in the way that you respond and as helpful as you can be I, I don't know I, I just find it, it's just better that way because in an email you sometimes miss things and so if you read your email like in one tone of voice and actually they weren't actually being as uh, difficult as you would imagine. It just helps always to respond in a positive way <laughs> because yeah. oftentimes I have people then will reply me again and say, oh, yes, that's great or, oh, brilliant, thank you so much. So they hadn't actually been maybe as difficult. They were just trying to 
let me know what they wanted changed. And because I was positive, it, it allowed the discussion to continue. Whereas if if sometimes I would look at an email and think, oh, I can't believe they asked me to do that. Um, and then I would respond negatively, then it wouldn't really help the project and it would probably stop um, so, yeah, you just have to put your best foot forward, I think, when you're responding to any um, client feedback. I think you do. I think you have to maintain like a level of professionalism and just be as polite as possible and as open as possible. And if they are a really because you will come across really difficult people who it doesn't matter what you do, they won't be happy. And uh, then I think you just have to let it go (laughs) because there's nothing you can do about it. (laughs) But, yeah, just try and be as polite as you can, really. And just make sure you've got a good contract as well with good terms so that you can point to it if, say, the edits are going on and on and it's far too much. So, okay, the next question is from Suzanne Campbell-Glass. Um, she is a friend of mine. <laughs> so hi, Suzanne. Um, <laughs> she says, or she has several questions here. Um, she said, what piece of advice would you give your younger self who was just embarking on her career in art? I think I would just simply say, don't give up. Keep going. Yeah. Keep persevering. Yeah. I think that's probably a simple answer. Best advice. So she also says, do you have days where you are motivated? If so, how do you approach such days? I think everyone has days where they feel like that. I would suggest if you're unmotivated that it's probably a good idea to just do something else for a couple of hours and then start work. Go go for a walk around the block. Get out of your head. Yeah, you need to change the situation and then I think you, that you find the motivation does return. You have to accept that everything ebbs and flows. So there are going to be some days where you're really super motivated and other days where you're just not. And that's just life. <laughs> yeah, and also maybe treat whatever you're doing as a brief. Uh, like with the client work I do, I if I'm not feeling motivated, well, I actually I have to still do the work. So sometimes that is what you have to do and maybe if you make if you're say just working for yourself then maybe treat whatever you're trying to work on as a brief than that you're working for a client and that you need to get some work done for them (laughs) yeah who who was it who said um inspiration is for amateurs that basically you just need to turn up yeah yeah, you just have to turn up. You know, you can't sit around waiting <laughs> to be inspired all the way. You just have to turn up and do the work. Um, what does the word success mean to you? That's a good question <laughs> again. That is, it's a hard question, isn't it, though, as well? Lots of people have different kind of definitions of success and what it looks like. I think it's doing your job well, taking responsibility uh, for your actions to me it just means doing something you love every day I think that if you're doing that and you're loving what you're doing then that's success (laughs) it's not necessarily financial or anything like that for me it's more about like my general happiness and I think maybe also having people respond to your work in such a positive way, like if it it really enhances their life, that's success as well, I think. Yeah, if you're able to make a difference or a change in someone else's life. Yeah. In a positive way. And that's that's pretty successful. 
Uh, but but maybe just just being able to be yourself in the world as well. You know, being able to yeah be fully yourself. You're not you're not someone else. You're not trying to be something that you're not. You know, just actually turning up and being yourself, being honest, being kind. Yeah, I think that's a good definition of success. She also says, how do you look after your well-being? We actually did a podcast on this, I think, didn't we? Yes. We did an episode where we talked about well-being and looking after your mental health. Yes, that was a few weeks ago, I think, uh, season two, episode six. Yeah, so definitely look at that one for more of our thoughts on that. But I think it is, you know, again, knowing yourself, knowing your pressure points, knowing, you know, knowing when you're, you need to take a rest or you need to break or you just need to step away. And sometimes you surprise yourself, actually. I surprise myself. <laughs> sometimes I think I sometimes think I can't possibly do that, but then I just do it, and then I'm like, oh, I could do it. <laughs> and lastly, she wants to know, will we be recording a new series? Huge, huge thanks to you both, as your podcast have been a friendly and inspiring voice accompanying me in my studio during the pandemic. Isn't it good to know that we're keeping people company? <laughs> it's so nice. Yeah, that is really... That is really encouraging to hear. I think we do want to do another season, Natasha, but I'm not sure when we're going to be starting that. But we do want to do one and we may it may change slightly in format, but we don't want to give too much away. You'll have to wait and see. So, yes, expect more from us, but how it will look is yet to be determined. We're going to have a little break. And we will formulate a plan. And in the meantime, make sure you go and listen to our two seasons already. That is 20 episodes of art-related chat. Yes, on a range of topics. We're not trying to sell it to you, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) But really, it's worth a listen. (laughs) Yeah, I think it is, definitely. Oh, I would love to have listened to something like this when I was younger. I would too, actually, yeah. Yeah. Lots of advice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, guys, thank you so much for submitting all your questions. I know we didn't get around to all of them, but we ran out of time and we just really want to get this up and out to you. So I think we'll probably be using some of the questions to dive into for topics for maybe our next season. So watch out for those. Um, So that's it from us, guys for this season thank you so much for tuning in make sure you go and listen to our back catalogue now if you want to revisit some of the themes we looked at you can find us over on instagram at creative underscore catchup or youtube which is creative catchup so we'd love to hear your thoughts and feedback on what you've been listening to today that's it from me and from natasha <laughs> i'd like to say a Goodbye and um, have a really good break. Well, I don't know why I said the break, but it's a break from the podcast. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But we look forward to speaking with you again real soon in our next season. And until then, stay creative. Bye. Bye. -bye. (laughs) 